Well, hello. Welcome back again to another episode, the Tuesday episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Pastors Gavin and Russ with you. Hello, Gavin. (laughs) (laughs) You don't do your Hello Newman quite like he does. Well, yeah. Julie Julie does Hello Newman well. I have uh, almost everything Seinfeld has except for talent and money. (laughs) (laughs) A show. Yeah. Size. Right. His living arrangement in New York and probably Hawaii and California. Or wherever else he wants. Yeah, wherever he wants. Yeah. You're just like him. I barely I, can tell the difference. I mean, we, we're, you know, I'm just a brother from another mother. We better not go YouTube or people will realize just how ridiculous that statement is. Right. That's right. Exactly what I was thinking. Are you planning on going on YouTube? I go on YouTube about every day. No. Are you, you, you go on YouTube to watch something right. or listen to something. Are you planning on this going on YouTube? We're trying to get people to listen. Okay. If we go on YouTube, they, they may never... There will be weeping we and gnashing of teeth. Uh, blocking, all kinds of things going on there. <laughs> Disfellowshipping. Uh, I, church you know, discipline. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we, we, we both have this in common. We have a face for radio. Right. Do you have any thoughts about going on YouTube? Honestly, so, you, so I know you're joking, but honestly, do you? I, it's, it's just the price. Really? It's, it's not an inexpensive proposition. I did not know that. I thought you could just post on it. It's not that's not how it works. To do a quality production, you're you're looking at. Uh, I mean, it's free to upload. We can we can start a channel today, as far as that goes, and record it with our phones. But if you want to do a quality production, it's two to three thousand dollars. Okay, but for, for camera equipment and all that. Okay, all right. So so that's and, what we're talking about. I thought, and, and then there's a time investment as far as editing and stuff that doesn't exist in this format, which is conducive to our schedules. Okay, so we just need a producer. We would need a producer. Someone with talent, which I have none. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We we just need anybody with talent. I mean, other than the talent, the time, and the money, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I think we should be on YouTube. Uh, and the aesthetics, right? The 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 looks, the beauty. Other than that, I mean, that's another thing we've got to add to that. List. Yeah, maybe we could be like Millie Vanilli, or not. <laughs> Girl, right. you know it's true. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> if we would sing that, that ooh, ooh, ooh would be like Newman. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. All right. All right. <laughs> so let's get back to it. Uh, focus. Uh, listener, thanks if you're still listening. And uh, just delete the last 30 seconds from your memory bank and you'll be good. Actually, it's about two and a half minutes. Today, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual confusion. And um, we're going to begin in John 14, 6. But I just want to relate a little bit. Um, in my trip to Asheville, I was telling Gavin, you know, <clears throat> many people call, I've heard it said that Asheville's sort of the San Francisco of the East. Uh, it's a, it's a very liberal place. And, uh, we took a walking tour of downtown, walked about five miles and there's a lot of very interesting things that you'll find there, but there's, there's a lot of spiritually confused people and uh, one bookstore in particular that uh, that uh, uh, we went into, it was just really depressing. Um, all the different sections of books, including uh, cultism, Satanism, uh, mysticism, Eastern religions, philosophy, and all these other things. And uh, in the Christian section uh, was one book 
that was a C.S. Lewis book, The Screwtape Letters. And uh, that was literally out of probably 50 or 60 books in that section, there was this one book that was doctrinally sound. And uh, so you had books by the well-known atheist uh, professor, a former professor at UNC Chapel Hill, Bart Ehrman. And uh, you had uh, translations of the New Testament by just some just some really uh, odd translators and and with some odd ideas about scripture and it, it was just it was honestly it was depressing and it just reminded me of a story that uh, uh, I was at a hospice um, a few years ago where a, a member was in the final stages of life and um, um, this member had been really faithful as far as I know far far beyond my time there at the church and so anyway um, the the member's daughter-in-law was talking about uh, the, I think the member had uh, just passed and the daughter-in-law was talking to the hospice nurse about uh, needing to um, follow her mother-in-law's wishes to not have a very big funeral because she didn't want to get haunted and uh, I mean, you just you hear so many just really spiritually confused people when they start having conversations about spiritual things. And then, like I said, as, as you walk around different stores and bookstores and, and you just interact with people, uh, we, we ran. And some of these people are really doing good things. We had a conversation with a young man who was uh, serving doctors without borders, uh, you know, by all uh, accounts a very good organization, and and so he asked me what I did. I told him I was I was a pastor of a church, and so he was like, "Oh, so like God God spoke to you and said do this?" And I said, "Well, it's not exactly that way." And uh, you know, there's just so many uh, people that you know they're they're obviously have some confusion about faith and about Jesus Christ. And so um, today we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so if you have your Bible and you want to turn to John chapter 14, verse 6. Let's read 5 and 6. But I, but I also okay. want to just ask you this. Why are you so worried about what other people think about? So this is the question that the world says, like, why are you so concerned about what is taught in schools? Why are you so concerned about, uh, you know, the, the current event issues? It has nothing to do with you, Russ. Why, why are you so concerned about it? I, I don't mean, want anybody to go to hell. Okay, so ultimately it's a it's a heaven and hell issue, but I think it's even I think it's even more fundamental than that. So, I, I think it's a truth issue. the The number one problem that I see in the world today, in terms of the things that we're probably going to talk about, is that we're self referential. We're so self referential that 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 truth is is an illusion. Yeah. And I think that people that some people would say, I'm okay with truth being an illusion. I have no problem with truth being an illusion. In fact, your truth is an illusion. And so we go, okay, is that biblical? And some, somebody would say, well, that's, that's, uh, uh, oh my goodness. My mind has gone blank twice today. You're confused. Circular reasoning, right? right? People would say that that's circular reasoning. Well, all reasoning in some sense is circular because it has to come back on something that you, that you understand. Immanuel Kant works through this well with, you know, a priori and a posteriori knowledge and how you work through those things and know these things. And, but, it, but it ultimately, um, I, I want to say that the great distinction is God is my reference point. So I am that I am is the most profound statement to me in all of scripture. I am boom sets an anchor on truth. He becomes the first principle. He becomes truth. And that's what we're going to get to today. <clears throat> truth. 
And secondly, the other one is, so God is my reference point. God is, period. And then the other one is I am my reference point. And you know what it's like to be on an airplane that's moving, you know, 200 miles an hour. How fast do you feel like you're going if you're your own reference point? You know, you feel like you're just, I'm not moving at all. So, you know, I I think that you get really distorted views of reality when you become the truth. Yeah. All right. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to open this in prayer if you want to read. Okay. All right. Father, we thank you for uh, this day, uh, this day that we have the opportunity uh, to just uh, to celebrate you, to worship you, and praise you, to point others to you. And so, so Lord, as we open your word, as we, as we look here and discuss uh, truth, Lord, I just pray that you would guide us. And, Lord, that uh, today, as people listen to this, uh, Father, I pray that they'd be encouraged to speak the truth and to point others to the truth. And, Lord, that, uh, Father, you would... Uh, you would do what only you can in the hearts of the, of the listeners of truth. And so we love you, Father, and praise you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to read John 14, 5, and 6. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the the things that I want to make sure that we understand from this is that our truth is anchored in God, Jesus, God, the son, God, the second person of the Trinity, uh, is the truth. He is truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. So, so whatever we say, I want us to anchor our reality in God. He is, he is my anchor. He is the anchor, whether I acknowledge him or not. And by the way, uh, let me start with that. And then I'll go to this aside and come back to it. And by the way, truth is more important than perception. So I, I think I've told you this, Russ, before, but I, I worked at an agency uh, and we would we would help out families. And one of the things they said is perception is always more important. What they think is going on is always more important than reality. And that sounds great because you can't get a family to change you know what they're doing if they don't change what how they think. Right. And the Bible would acknowledge that. But in the end, reality is always more important. Whether I believe that there's a heaven or hell is is not as consequential as is there a heaven or hell? Well, I don't believe in hell. Well, it doesn't it doesn't matter as much as whether there actually is one. Is there a way to heaven? Well, it matters more if there is a way rather than what I think about that way. Not that what I think is not important. It's just the reality is more important. You go, okay, if you would tell me, hey, on the on your ride home, there's a bridge out on I-85. There's a bridge out. And I go, well, I don't think there is. Which is more important? What I think or whether there is one. Right. You know? Uh, your tire looks bad on your car. If you keep driving, it's going to blow out. Is the reality or my thought on the reality more important? So again, it's not that what perception. So uh, we want to be anchored in reality, the reality of God. God is true. Um, and then the other thing is there is only one way to heaven. Yeah. Those are the two things that we definitely want to leave people There's with. only one God. Right. Right. Yeah, because a lot of people would acknowledge God a God, but there's only one God. Right. And, and well, we'll get to that in a second. So there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called uh, to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Right. So it's clear there is one true and living God. There are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Okay, 
Anything else that you want to talk about? Well, I, again, I, I like that you took us to this verse, as Jesus said, you know, you know, definitively, I am the truth. Right. You know, and I think you, you are rightly saying we need to point people to Jesus and what is true. In fact, in, in, in uh, recently I had a, uh, a sudden call from a member who uh, had a coworker that was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And uh, so they called me, and I came, and, and this person was describing their current state of, of life and how, you know, she felt this and felt that, and, and this person said this and this person said that. And I said, well, let's just talk about what we know is true. You know, so we went back to Jesus. Right. You know, and, and went back to Scripture and what the Bible says about us, you know, that, you know, God knows us by name. And I said, you're a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, just tried to reinforce what, what we know is true. You know, we can, we can say a lot of things. We can hear people say a lot of things and say things about us. That doesn't make it true. All right. Let's, let's give some, some maybe words that people can look up on their own time to study this. Um, <clears throat> so postmodernism thought is that all truth is relative. Um, so so there, there are no absolute truths mm. or there is no absolute truth. That's a right? very prevalent um, thought in the culture we live in. Right. Relativism, postmodernism, pluralism, those are all words that you can look up. They're all kind of intertwined. Um, there is no absolute truth is interesting, as many people have pointed out, because it is a self-defeating statement. Right. Right. Because, real quick, you, you They're saying it absolutely. Right. There is no absolute truth is an absolute statement about truth that is either right, which makes the statement wrong, or it's wrong that it, there there are actually absolute truths, which makes the statement wrong. So any way you look at it, the statement has to be wrong. Right. It defeats itself. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and then maybe some other things that people can look up on their own time, because truth is so hard to define, apparently, for most people, that philosophers have come up with five main theories of truth, correspondence theory of truth, which I would agree with, as long as you added God God's perspective to the correspondence. So let me go over that one because that's the one I hold to. The correspondence of theory, the theory of truth says that which truth is that which corresponds to reality. But the problem that people have with that is, okay, what, which reality from your perspective or my perspective or this perspective? And I say the correspondence of truth is that which corresponds to reality according to and from God's perspective. Then there's the coherence theory of truth. Um, there's the pragmatic, the redundancy and semantic are the five main ones that they use because again, Truth in the philosophical world is brutally difficult to understand. Not for the Christian. God yeah. is true. Everything's hard to understand in the world of philosophy. Right. Why? There's no definitive. It's it's just but all why? sort of murky. I why? don't know. I don't know. See, here's what I have I've seen. I've seen this in practice, right? In in progressive circles, of which I'm not, and I want to give full disclosure, and I don't want to ever speak hatefully about a group, but truth reigns. In progressive circles, oftentimes, um, people press back on the truth because truth uh, is binding. So if I say there is a family looks like this, according to God and his word, and God is true, a family looks like one man and one woman. And somebody says, well, I want to marry six women. Or I want to marry, you know, I, I want to marry the person of the own sex, or I, I want to change my gender. Um, I want to marry a goat. A goat, right? And 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 by the way, there are people, you know, there was a class in Harvard that said, I don't care if you want to have relationships relationships with a tree, 
I don't care if you want to love a tree like that. So again, I don't, you know, people talk about slippery slope fallacy. Oh, if we give up this, it's just a slippery slope. People have articulated the slippery slope that we're talking about. You know, yeah. it's and and by the way, that slippery slope is only a slippery slope if it's not actually happening. You can't say, well, if you, you know, oh, that's the boogeyman that if, if we lose the, the value of a nuclear family, that suddenly uh, people are going to be marrying, you know, uh, goats or whatever else. Look at what's going on in the family today. It's not a slippery slope. It's an actual reality. All right. So I think people push back on the truth to do what they want. Makes sense. And and if if you can't use your Bible, and I say that, you know, of course I would agree with scripture and, but if you can't use your Bible to tell me that I'm wrong, I get to do what I want and I can create a God that I love that lets me do what I want. And then there's nothing that is perverted. There's nothing that's perverse. There's only what I want to do in a God that supports it. And so we have this absolute autonomy where people do what is right in their own eyes. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Not in my worldview is what they say. Right. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. Sin has lost its bite because there is no such thing as sin anymore. And I say that with, with the understanding, I of course believe there is sin. It's, re, it's, it's um, breaking any, uh, uh, any thought, word, or deed that breaks God's law by omission or commission is a simple definition of sin. Yeah. But as you quoted judges, you know, we, we do what is right in our own eyes. Yeah. And, you know, the proverb says everyone thinks they're right. Yeah. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Right. Yep. Um, so uh, where else do we want to go with this? Um, you mentioned the Shema. Okay. You want to read that real quick? The sh- you say Shema. I say Shema Israel, but I don't know how you pronounce it. And no one really does. So uh, that is Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6. 6. Yep. And as, as, as Russ is turning there, one of the reasons why this is so important to us, as I think he said, if you believe there are many paths to heaven and there are in actuality, there, there is in actuality only one way to heaven. There's one God and one way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It is, a, it is an act of cowardice and hate to let people continue down the road of um, pluralism, hmm. to continue down the road of, well, I serve my God, you serve your God, and we're all okay. And I, I want to give you a, a hyperbolic, you know, this is, I understand this is hyperbole, but it actually happened to me. This isn't secondhand. This isn't, I heard a man. This actually happened to me. I was, I was uh, unloading boxes at UPS in Raleigh, North Carolina, in, in the back of a truck, I was working for UPS while I was going to seminary. We were unloading boxes and a man and I were talking about faith. And he goes, I just don't think anybody can tell anybody else what is right and wrong. I said, okay, is there a system that you have for determining right and wrong? And he says, yeah, I mean, I, I do what I think is right. You do what you think is right. Everybody does what they think is right. And that really is you becoming your own deity. You become your own God. You get to determine right from wrong. This is actually the problem in Genesis 3. They get to determine good and evil. They know good and evil. Not God. They do. Adam and Eve. All right. So I said, do you really believe that? Absolutely. So you believe every single person has a right to determine what's right and wrong. So if if you're smoking pot in some, some country that says that that's wrong, they could shoot you dead. If you uh, convert faiths, because everybody does what's right and wrong. If you if you change your faith from, from one belief to another, that there is such, there are such things, and I've heard 
uh, secondhand accounts personally when I was in a foreign country of somebody that was dealing with somebody that had changed from from uh, one particular faith to Christianity, the Islamic faith to Christianity, and there were uh, relatives looking to do an honor killing. I've heard, they, yeah, I've heard she had to that. move out of the country, and she moved to a place, and they still were seeking to kill her. Right. This was not firsthand. I didn't hear it from the person, but I heard it from a friend of the person directly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So do you think that's right? And and this person stuck to his guns. Yep. That's right. It's not what the Bible says. It's it's whatever anybody wants to do is right. How about this? What if somebody were, and I, I always try to remember that there may be kids listening. What if somebody were attacking your wife in the most violent and aggressive ways and they felt that it was right? So that somebody that said, listen, we're all just animals. We're glorified animals. So forcing yourself on a woman is not wrong because we're all just glorified animals and there's no real morality. We get to do what we want. And and I said, would you agree with that? You know, these men that uh, allegedly wrote a book that said that it was okay if we're animals to do those things. And he said, I, I would not be able to say that it's wrong. Somebody assaulting his wife would not, he could not call that sin, wrong or evil. And I think it's Richard Dawkins that would agree. Oh, yeah. That's not sin. Sin is a very difficult thing to define. Evil is, a, is almost impossible to define apart from God. One of the, I think one of the things that, that comes to my mind, one of the concerns, pastoral concerns that I have for many in the church is the spiritual con, uh, confusion that exists in the church. And this is the, this is the member that, you know, they come to church— but they take their cues of things spiritual from the culture. So they're not spending time letting the word of Christ dwell in them. They're not meditating on the word of God that they might not sin against God. Uh, they are, you know, they're more influenced by what they see on social media, more influenced by what they see uh, on television that are spiritual in nature. And they're taking their cues from that rather than from God's word. And they're depending on just what they heard the pastor say as far as their level of understanding of Scripture. And that is a really, really dangerous place. Uh, and, and I've seen this work itself out in, in certain families where, you, you know, you, you almost part of you wants to say, well, what did you expect to happen? Um, we're, we're not training up our children in God's word. We're training up our children in spiritual things from the culture. And so anyways, here's the Deuteronomy chapter six, um, verse four well, through nine. Yeah. Okay. I, I do. I just want to also say that, that the way that I worded the, the last part, you may say that God has to exist because he ought to exist. When I was talking about the man and his view on somebody attacking his wife. And so he says that it, you know, that it, he couldn't say that that person's belief that that was okay was wrong because everybody has the right to determine what is right and wrong in their own eyes, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think God exists because he ought to exist. So, so by the way, if that were a reality, if everybody really did get to choose what is right and wrong in their own eyes, I'd, I would say, okay, that's, that's a reality, whether I like it or not, or whether God ought to exist. I believe God exists because he does exist, not because he ought to exist. And because he does exist, then morality is his morality is placed over us. All right. So I didn't want to make it like a, I've created a God because he should exist. God exists. Right. Okay. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, a lot of people would say, wait a minute, I thought that was Jesus. Well, he said that too, but 
It's actually here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Right there is one of the big sources of spiritual confusion. We're not teaching these things to our children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. We're not talking about it. Right. Uh, When you walk, by the way. pause? Oh, you want to go or pause? Pause. Go. Okay. So you said something about television. And and I, I love one pastor said, everything that you expose yourself to will influence you. Period. So when we watch these sitcoms and and listen, I like television. Uh, you know, I'm not saying too. oh it's the it's awful. It influences you. Yes. I'm telling you now, your children are being influenced by a bombardment of advertisements, uh greed and materialism. Yeah, oh yeah, the cell phone, absolutely. You are being influenced, period. I mean, that's the point of advertising. The right. point of it is to influence you. And we say, no, I'm above that. You are not above that. And your understanding of marriage, your kid's understanding of marriage, your kid's understanding of truth, your kid's understanding of what is good and right and and godly is all being influenced and affected by the things that we are exposing them to. So when you say, you know, the, the television may be influenced, it absolutely is influencing them 100%. And us, and us. I don't want to leave me out of it. I am being influenced by a thousand things that stimulate my mind to think something um at times ungodly and unbiblical. So how do you guard against that? But but and this is this is it. This is how you guard against it. Yeah, let me go back to to the beginning of verse 7. You shall teach them diligently talking about uh you know the love uh of the Lord with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, uh, and and with you know the commands uh, that should be in our hearts. Verse seven: You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words. Your whole life uh, should be centered around God and, and his commands and his truths and his your love for God should be so apparent that it should not just be displayed by what you do, but it should be displayed by teaching these things to your children diligently, he says. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of that Titus uh, 1 going into 2 um, part that I love, you know, when it says you profess to know God, but you deny him by your works, and it gives a little list there of, of things that you're that are ungodly, and then it says, I know that the the markers aren't in the letter, the chapter and verse markers are not in the letter, but if you go to chapter two, verse one, it says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine, and that is like speak. Uh, it is, I think it's laleo. It's just to walk along. It's not. It's not the uh, didaskaleo, uh, the uh, teaching like from the from in the classroom or something like that it's just constantly speaking truth into the lives of our children and speaking truth in the lives of one another that's what they're talking about here you're just to have a word saturated house it's to be on your doorpost that when you're leaving and when you're coming in you're thinking about God and his ways and his wills that Hebrews passage that says like you guys should be teachers by now right you're you're right. still on milk yeah. and it says but the mature are those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil these are the people that are ruminating on God's word and 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 meditating on it day and night psalm 1 and then they're going out and practicing it in real life and putting it to the test and not that the word fails but okay my understanding or application of that word needs some work i need to get back in the word and and pray and god show me open my eyes that i may behold wondrous things out of your law these are the things that are not happening 
And then we wonder why America is drifting so radically away from God. And, and I, I don't want to make it, I, I, the one thing I don't like is to sit there and go, we're in a place we've never been in before. Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, and this is not limit. This problem is not limited to uh, just America. I mean, this is you know all over the world, and and you know, and it's you know we have sacrificed. Listen, if you're listening to this and you sense there's some spiritual confusion with your children or or with a friend uh, or family member, you know, right here, you know, take them to John, the truth. You know, take them to Deuteronomy. Give them these examples of you know you want you want to have spiritually mature uh, family spiritually mature children you know let the word of Christ dwell in you richly right there's, there's no shortcuts right I I, I would uh, I would go to Acts um, uh, I would go to Acts twenty um, when when Paul reminds the people that he was innocent of their blood because he taught them the whole counsel. Of God, So he says in verse 26 of Acts 20, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I think sometimes we do this lily pad preaching teaching to our church and to our family. We just hop from one verse to another to another. Those things that are important to us in that season of our life rather than preaching and teaching the whole counsel of God. And Paul says, listen, my innocence is not because I lily pad preached. My innocence is because I preached to you everything that was profitable, i.e. the entire word, the entire holy writ of God. Mm. And so we, yeah, we need to, you want to, yeah, television and, and, uh, Telephones, televisions, and Facebook are not inherently evil to the best of my knowledge. Somebody could say, ah, yeah, by their very nature, there's some evil that you haven't thought about. I haven't. I don't. I think there can be great tools for evangelism. I think they can be great tools for staying connected to the people on the mission field. I think there are amazing things that happen because of technology, and I want to celebrate those things. But I also think that we're on them in ways that are unprofitable. Oh, yeah. And that's, that, that is a declaration that our lack of spiritual maturity is not due to a lack of time, to paraphrase another pastor. Yeah. Well, listener, thank you for listening today. I hope this has uh, given you some uh, encouragement and guidance on how to handle spiritual uh, confusion. And uh, we look forward to catching back up with you tomorrow. Until then, God bless.